Today on Blue 50, the Packers are 8-2 heading into the stretch run of their season. What should be bothering Matt LaFleur and company? I have some ideas. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Before we get into the meat of the show, I want to take a second to talk about something I alluded to the last time we were together. That episode came out late Thursday night my time. It might even have been early Friday morning. I I had planned, and I said as much in the episode, to get another couple episodes out uh, because that was the schedule. We're doing three a week. Even through the bye week, I wanted to have one out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But I didn't get one out on Friday, and I didn't get one out on Monday because I've been a little bit busy lately. I started a new job today. Um, but before I could do that, I had to finish up a different job and that job required that I work a lot of nights and weekends. Um, this all is part of a story that started way back in April. And I don't want to belabor this point because my life is not bad. And compared to what a lot of people go through, this was not all that much. But, uh, back in April, I was let go from my job, a place I'd been a little bit over a year where it was exactly is not important. In fact, where I'm working now is not important either. Uh, But I was let go the day after the first round of the draft. That morning, I had gotten up a little bit tired after recording a late night podcast, gone to work, uh, done all the stuff I needed to do that Friday, uh, took my lunch break, wrote a piece about Rashawn Gary, um, published that, was feeling pretty good. It's like, all right, here we go. Round to the draft tonight. It's going to be good. Um, my wife was not feeling super great that day, so I was going to go home and be with her because she had come home from work early, and I had gotten all my work done, so I let one of my supervisors know that, and they were like, oh, we got to talk to you. They pulled me aside, and we're like, we're going to be letting you go. They knew that we were having a kid, and I was like, well, I mean, but we got a kid on the way. And they're like, we know it really sucks. And I was like, so uh, is there any chance we could go a different route about this? And I was, they were like, no, you're still not going to be here on Monday. So that kind of set off the next six months. And it's been a bit of a stressful time since then. My initial thinking was, other than applying for jobs, since we didn't have uh, the new co-host at the time, uh, I was going to free up a lot of time to work on the power sweep and Blue 58 and all that. That didn't actually happen. Uh, I spent most of the time getting ready for a baby to arrive and applying for jobs. And over the past six to seven months or so, I think I've applied for at least 60 or 70 jobs. And I finally got one about a month ago, a part-time job at a place that you have heard of called Costco. I was there for a month or so working part-time and as good it was as it was to have that income, it didn't actually do much for us as far as uh, t- free time, uh, work-life balance, stress, stuff like that. We're making money, but life wasn't a whole lot better for us. But then just last week, I got offered a different full-time job, but something a lot more in line with what I had been doing previously. And I'm not going to spend time talking about what I do now. If you want that information, you can figure it out. There's enough public information about me on the internet that if you care, you can find that out. And if we're, you know, if we chat... I would tell you too, but that's not really the point of the show here. I started for real today, and that is the point. Um, And I just wanted to let you know that I am very thankful that I have had this to work on over the past six months. 
whether you knew it or not, you were participating in something that gave us, gave me in particular, some good rhythm to have in my life. Because that's one of the things I like most about work. Work is good. Um, jobs are not always great, but work is good. And having the rhythm of, of going to work, getting stuff done, and all that, all those things that come along with it, I think give you a lot of structure in your life. And this gave me a lot of that structure. So even if I wasn't going to work work every day, I did have this to do a couple times a week. And I'm thankful for the people in the audience who knew what we were going through and were, were reaching out and saying nice things and, and stuff like that. You guys are awesome. Also, I also want to take this opportunity to say on the show that I am really thankful for my wife, who is great through all this, and uh, I'm excited for what comes next for us now that all this is behind us. What does this mean for you, uh, other than you had to listen to the story before you got to the actual Packers content? Well, it means that we have a little bit more stability now. We've got a regular schedule. We're not working one part-time shift one day and a different one the next. I should be able to to offer you a little bit more, and I'm excited to be able to do that. This is the good news that I talked about in the last podcast, and I'm excited for what is coming next for for me at work, being back at work, being uh, back to doing some stuff I'm interested in um, outside of this. Um, uh, I'm grateful for a new schedule, and I'm just grateful again uh, for all of the people who listen to this show uh, who sent our download numbers really high over the past few months um, that gave me that to work on even when I wasn't working regularly. So I'm excited for this next phase for us, and I'm excited for what it could mean for Blue 58 and the Power Sweep. All right, now on to what you're here for. In the last episode, I kind of made a passing comment about believing that Kenny Clark needs some more help. And one thing that I think I sometimes get in trouble with on this show and just the things that I do about the Packers in general, is that I have a thought that I have thought about a lot, and I forget that not everyone else has thought about that the same way that I have. So I'll make a passing comment about something that I have had a lot of internal dialogue about, but haven't necessarily articulated anywhere else. And I think this is one of those situations. Because Daniel, a listener from Sweden, writes in with a long question, which I won't reproduce here, uh, basically saying, if you think that Kenny Clark needs help, what about these other guys on the defensive line? What do you think of Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster in particular? Daniel also believes that it may have been a bit of a mistake to, to re-sign Dean Lowry, wondering if he's a good fit for what the Packers do on defense. And I think that's easy to see why. Uh, Lowry has no sacks and just one tackle for loss so far this year. So let's talk for a second. And hopefully we hit on all of uh, the things that Daniel was wondering about. But just for the broader audience, let's talk about the defensive line in general and why I think the, that Kenny Clark could use some help. First, let's talk about Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, and the defensive line as a whole. I need to back up and, and give a little bit of my philosophy about the defensive line. What I view as kind of the function and tool set of the defensive line in today's NFL. From where I sit, and I think most strategy, most high-level strategy, or most, I guess, defensive strategy in general, would kind of support this viewpoint. From where I sit, I think there are two types of defensive linemen. This is painting with a really broad brush, but I think there are two types. There are guys who are penetrators, and there are guys who are holders. 
the guys who are penetrators get upfield and make plays in the opposing backfield. Whereas guys who are holders are responsible for holding the line, soaking up blockers, and allowing others to make plays. In essence, you're either making plays for yourself or you're setting up your teammates to make plays. Those are the two kind of defensive linemen that there are in the NFL. Broadly speaking, three, four defensive linemen are going to be your holders. That's kind of the purpose of the three, four defense. You get three stout defensive linemen who free up uh, your edge rushers and your inside linebackers to make plays. It lets you get a little bit more speed on the field just from the word go. The Packers, at least in name, play a 3-4 defense. They really don't. Nobody really plays a true base defense anymore. But when in, or the Packers are in something resembling their base defense, it should be a 3-4. And I think within that 3-4 alignment, you see two further kinds of defensive linemen. You have long holding defensive linemen, and you have wide holding defensive linemen. In a 3-4, your ends tend to be long, and your tackles tend to be wide. The Packers barely delineate between defensive line or defensive ends and defensive tackles anymore, and I think that's probably a good thing because they play so few true defensive linemen that it really doesn't matter whether guys are tackles or ends. What does all this mean about who they have on the roster right now? I think most of the Packers' defensive linemen, and for good reason, are just sort of holders. They don't have a lot of guys that are on the field to make plays. And I think since the Packers don't really play a true 3-4 defense, that some kind sometimes can hurt them. They have needed more playmaking from the center of their defensive front, and their defensive linemen haven't necessarily necessarily provided that. Kenny Clark has been getting beat up more than ever this year. He gets double teamed at an astounding rate. And the rest of the defensive linemen out there haven't really stepped up and made plays. And I think that's because a lot of them kind of fall into that holder category. Dean Lowry is a guy who just makes plays pretty much at the line of scrimmage. He soaks up blocks from a variety of positions, from an outside rushing position, a little bit inside sometimes, and he does it pretty well. Uh, This is where I would push back on the idea that he has not been a good signing. Um, There's a stat that I kind of softly track. I don't keep a super close eye on it, but it's, it's guys who are making tackles within no further than a yard down the field. So when a, when the opposing team runs a run play, who is making the most tackles for the Packers no further than a yard down the field? So far this year, Preston Smith leads the way with 11 of those tackles. Blake Martinez is right behind him with 10, and then tied for third are two defensive linemen on the Packers, Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry. Both of them have nine run stops within a yard of the line of scrimmage. Even if neither of them are getting too far into the backfield, both of them are doing a good job against the run. And I think that's where Dean Lowry's value really is. So I think Lowry, in particular, is a good value for the Packers. Does it look like they paid a little bit of a premium? I'm not even sure about that. I just think a guy who shows up, does his job, and manages to prevent significant gains in the run game is worth keeping around. And he, in theory, should be freeing up the other players on the field to make plays um, 
more regularly. But none of that is to say that Kenny Clark still couldn't use some help. They, the Packers really could use another penetrating defensive lineman. Kenny Clark is kind of a unique specimen. The Packers beat has told us that time and time again over the past couple of years. He's a unique, ascending, star caliber player. He's unique in that he can be, I think, both a penetrator and a holder as a defensive lineman. He can either be a guy who's getting upfield to make plays against the quarterback or the running back in the backfield, or just eating up blocks and letting guys behind him make plays. But the Packers need more guys who are elite-level talent near him because I think it would make Kenny Clark better, I think it would make their edge rush better, and I think it would make their inside linebackers better, Blake Martinez or whoever happens to be back there next year. The Packers have, right now, Kenny Clark and just a lot of those hold-the-line sort of players. They have tried to get guys who could be more penetrating types. Montrevious Adams would fall into that category. He hasn't done a lot this year after starring in the preseason. Kingsley Kiki seems like he could also do something like that, but he's also having a hard time getting on the field as well. You need both types, especially if you're not going to play a true kind of base defense, and no one in the NFL, again, is really going to do that anymore. I think asking Dean Lowry or Tyler Lancaster, for that matter, to be that player is probably not necessarily wise. I don't think that's the sort of player they are. The kind of player that they are, both of them, does have value. Tyler Lancaster eats up a lot of space inside. Dean Lowry does a lot on the outside. But neither of them is necessarily making the sort of plays the Packers need from their defensive line group. And I think getting another player like that would do a lot for the Packers both this year and in the future. Let's talk about something completely different. Last week, we talked about how the Packers have done so far. Uh, Basically trying to determine what kind of team this 2019 Packers unit actually is. Having done that, I concluded that the Packers are a very good team, but also potentially a vulnerable team. And I would like to add that the Packers are in good company being a vulnerable team. 12 vulnerable teams are going to make the playoffs this year. That is to say, every team that's going to be competing in a real way to be this year's Super Bowl champion, is going to be vulnerable. As good as the Patriots and 49ers have been, they have both shown that they have their weaknesses. And if the 49ers and Patriots are vulnerable in areas, it stands to reason that every other team that is going to be contending is going to be vulnerable in some way as well. So if we operate under the theory that the Packers are vulnerable, My big question is this. What are the threats to the Packers down the stretch? As I prepped for this episode, I kept wanting to say the second half of the season. We are well past the second half point. We've got six games left in the regular season. I'm wondering what are the stretch or what are the the dangers, the threats to the Packers down the stretch run here? I think there are three. I think there are three putting aside threats like significant injuries, and stuff like that. 
yeah, of course, those things are threats to the Packers, sure. Aaron Rodgers could get injured tomorrow. He could get struck by a bus on the streets of Green Bay, Wisconsin. The entire Packers defense could forget to show up for a game and then decide to, you know, start a, a monastery out in the Las Vegas wilderness or something like that. You know, you know what I'm getting at. Those things that those kind of act of God threats to your football team, which are threats to every football team. Sure, those things could happen. What are the threats the Packers need to be actually worried about heading down the stretch here? I think there are three. First, the danger games. The Packers have six games left. I think they fall into three categories. Tough ones, that would be games against the 49ers and on the road against the Vikings. The should wins, their games against the Giants and the Redskins, which should be victories no matter where they play them. And then the danger games, when they play the Bears at Lambeau Field and then Detroit on the road. The tough ones, obviously, they're going to be tough. The 49ers are a good team. The Vikings are also a good team. Those games are going to be tough no matter what the exact circumstances surrounding them are. I think everybody understands that. The flip side of that is the games the Packers should win. Yep, they should beat the Giants. They should beat the Redskins. I don't think that's controversial either. I think most Giants and Redskins fans would, coming up to that game, say, yep, the Packers should probably win this one. But the danger games scare me a little bit. Playing the Bears, playing the Lions, it always just has that little nagging doubt in the back of your mind, in the back of my mind at least. The Bears were a bit of a clown show this weekend with how they handled Mitchell Trubisky's injury, non-injury, whatever situation. That was not a good luck. And that is really kind of sucking all the air out of the conversation about the Bears right now. But they still have a good defense. And even if they're not a great defense or even necessarily a very good one, they still have a lot of dangerous players. Players that could change a game against the Packers in just one or two plays. Just look at what Khalil Mack did in week one last year. That's the sort of player he can be. Detroit doesn't necessarily have any players like a Khalil Mack, but as a whole, they have proved that even if they're not that great of a team on the whole this year, they can bother you. And if they string together a few productive series on offense, they can be enough of a bother on defense to really put a hurt on you, to really put you in a situation where you might have to rally late to get a win. Those games are legitimate threats to the Packers this year, down the stretch here. The second big threat to the Packers are teams getting hot. This, again, is outside the Packers' control, but if teams like the Seattle Seahawks or the Minnesota Vikings really start clicking That puts pressure on the Packers and it narrows their margin for error because the Packers at this point in the season really aren't competing against much of the NFC North anymore. Yes, I did just mention the Vikings and they're going to be a threat to the Packers till the bitter end. But the Bears and Lions functionally, though they may be dangerous to play against, as far as the standings go, they're not really threats to the Packers at all. But teams outside the division, like the Seahawks, for example, could be real threats to the Packers. The New Orleans Saints could be up there as well. These are teams that will affect the Packers' playoff seeding. They'll affect where the Packers play in the first round of the playoffs if they end up playing in the first round at all. Those teams 
are going to have a big effect on the Packers season one way or, or another over the next six weeks. And they and their performance will be big threats to the Packers' ultimate postseason ambitions. Finally, I think the biggest and most insidious threat to the Packers right now is the Packers themselves. The Packers control their own destiny right now. Should they win out, they'll finish the season 14-2. and two. Yes, excellent math there, of course. They'll, they'll win out. Or if they do, they'll they'll be fourteen and two, the first seed in the NFC uh, in the NFC playoffs. The playoffs will run through Lambeau Field, and even if they lose both of their tough games, they're a really good bet to finish twelve and four. They have four other very winnable games on their schedule, extremely winnable. But we also have to point out that it's not impossible for the Packers to finish. 8-8 eight eight this year. Will they? No, of course not. The Packers are not going to go 0-6 over the next six weeks. Knock very much on wood. But the only people really preventing that are the Packers. The Giants and Redskins have both stolen wins this year. The Bears and Lions have and could still easily do the same. And the Packers have shown that they are vulnerable when they are playing games that they are supposed to win. Look at how they handled that Chargers game. Look at how they handled that Chiefs game. Yep, they beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs still put up a pretty darn good fight. And yep, the Chiefs are a good team too, but the Packers should win that game. Look at how that Raiders game played out. That final score indicated a blowout. But if not for an unusual fumble by Derek Carr, a couple broken plays, a couple other failures to execute by the Raiders, that game could look a lot different too. And I realize we're doing what I called out last week, doing the uh, extreme qualifying. Well, if this went this way and this went that way and blah, 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 blah. True, the Packers are still 8-2. and two. But they, like everybody else, that's in contention for a Super Bowl championship this season, is a are a vulnerable team. And if they're not careful, they could end up being their own worst enemy. Last week, I cited the 2011 Packers. This week, I'd like to call to mind again the 2014 Packers, who, if not for a late stumble against the Buffalo Bills, would have played a very noteworthy NFC Championship game at home instead of on the road. The Packers ended up being their own worst enemy that year. It could happen again, and it will. It happens to teams every year. Good teams win te- uh, lose games that they should win because they can't get out of their own way. That'll be a really impressive thing if down the stretch of this very promising season, Matt LaFleur can keep his team from getting in its own way. I hope he learned from the Los Angeles Chargers game. I think he did, because he's shown that he can respond to less than ideal circumstances already this year. Let's hope we don't have to find out and the Packers just take care of business over these final six weeks and get themselves into the playoffs quite handily. So I've got for you in this episode. We'll be back with you on Friday for a preview of this weekend's tilt with the San Francisco 49ers. I'm looking forward to that one. If you like what you heard today, Leave us a rating and a review that does help more people find the show. 
Uh, if you'd like to take your support to the next level, check out patreon.com slash the power sweep. We'll give you the op- opportunity to donate and help you offset or help us offset a few of our costs that come with producing this podcast and website. If you want to look good while you support us, check out our great t-shirts and sweatshirts by clicking the shop link at thepowersweep.com. If you've got an idea for the show or just want to say hi, reach out through social media or our contact page at thepowersweep.com. Every bit of feedback, every question, every thought, every piece of information you send our way helps us further our mission of helping everyone become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.